Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's the Jim Fallon Show. We've come to take your mind. Still on. Live from the Michigan side of Port Luzi. of absolutely no one. I am your pimp in the box, the king of the scrubs, and now, your host, me, Jim Fallon. I talk to politicians, media types, rock stars, comedians, and heathens. Usually I'm live at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights, but here I am, Wednesday, 8.30, my time. What time's it over there? We're going to hit, oh, we're hitting into all politics, all federal politics. Welcome to election 44 in Canada, 33 days until election day, I am on the sidelines, I will not be dragged into this. I mean, not at this point, anyway. <laughs> I'm high on the PPC. I'm a Max Bernier guy all the way. But I'm already frustrated. <laughs> I know they have limited resource. I know they are a new party. I get it. I'm giving them room. But you have to capitalize on opportunities. We're going to talk about messaging. If you're a candidate, I don't care what your party is, you might get something from this. I've done this 10 times. 10. Uh, Never elected. But that doesn't mean it was a failed campaign. Mostly for the Green Party and the last time for the None of the Above Party. All right, so we're going to hit a couple things. A little history. We're going to talk some electoral reform, specifically proportional representation, why it's better, and why you should discuss it because it's a wide-open topic that no one will be talking about, and we'll get into the details of that. Uh, No. I ran first in 1993. I was recruited forcefully by a friend of mine that needed candidates. Mulrooney had passed a bill that said if he didn't have 50 candidates running nationally, uh, the party was dissolved. 
And so I was recruited in 1993 as a 24-year-old to run for the Green Party with the idea that I would only be a paper candidate. I wouldn't have to go to do anything. I had to get my own signatures, and I did everything I had to do. But turned out I did go to one debate, and let's just say I, um, I soaked the chair with sweat. Uh, I went for my voice, and it wasn't there. In that year, the Liberals, led by Jean Chrétien, uh, they won a majority, soundly defeating the Conservatives, beat the Conservatives back to fifth place with two seats under Kim Campbell. <laughs> that was good times. And I hope that's what happened to the Liberals this time around, although I'm not. <laughs> I got a take on that, too. I'm going to give you my breakdown and my, what do you call it, layman's terms, layman's opinion. Also in 1993, Preston Manning became the third party with the reform, and no one saw coming what he did. Uh, new, new Democrats were uh, forced down to their worst results at the time with nine seats. And, uh, yeah, it pretty much marks the end of the predominantly three-party system. Liberals, progressive conservatives, and the NDP, by virtue of the reform, coming in. Now, we had another party, and then they merged, and they became the, the conservatives, the new conservative party. So that's 1993. Gretchen comes back with a second majority and Manning's reform party becomes the opposition in 97. Four years later. <laughs> uh, the Bloc Québécois was third after Manning became official opposition. And then the NDP had 21 seats. 12 more than in 93. Then the Liberals came back to under Chrétien again in 2000, re-elected with a third majority. <laughs> and that's when Stockwell Day had the Canadian Alliance, the unsuccessful uh, alignment of the reform and the progressives didn't work. And then Paul Martin. And then... Well, Jack Layton pulled the plug on the Martin Mer minority. We always hate him for that because that gave us Stephen Harper. <laughs> and then that was 2006. Maybe I'm not giving you the dates here. And 2008 was, I think, my best finish as a Green Party candidate. I think I got, I don't know, like can't remember what it was. 4% or something? 6%? I don't know. It was my highest showing ever for the Greens in 20, 2008. But then I ran in 2015 again for the Greens. 
and that year Trudeau wins a majority. It was anything but Harper, remember that? A first-time politician in Justin Trudeau wins a majority of seats in 2015. <laughs> wow. How far have we fallen since then? It's gross. And then we know again that Andrew Scheer was no contest for Justin Trudeau last time around, and then we ended up with this minority government that's been propped up. But both the Bloc and the NDP are both responsible for enabling this corruption. And you're thinking of voting strategically. <laughs> Wrong. Don't do it. I'm going to tell you why. Okay, so... Going back to controlling the message. This is the idea in politics. You control the message. You control what people think should be important to them. The politicians decide what the talking points are going to be. They also decide what issues are going to get debated. You don't have much say in that. You do have a vote. And your vote is not designed to keep someone out of power. It's designed to move the country in a new direction. And so your, your, your vote should be for someone you support. A little, a little I got some thoughts on strategic voting. First of all, it's this argument is used by the establishment parties almost always to get you to not vote or to vote for them but no first and foremost to get you not to vote I mean if there's any anything that could keep you home from voting it would be that your vote doesn't matter and that's first past the post I'm jumping all over the place here but strategic voting is fostered by the system we use first past the post. So first past the post is the winner take all. So if the candidate in your riding gets 30% of the vote or 40% of the vote and they, they beat the other guy by one vote, then he's in, even though 60% of the people voted against him. And it stretches out across the spectrum, across the country. You'll find that last time the conservatives won the popular vote and got half the seats the liberals do. Jesus. Okay, so maybe we should sp maybe we should just hit strategic voting later because it seems like I keep going over to PR, right? And messaging. Let me give you an example. Back when Jack Layton was alive and he ran the party pretty well. There was an opportunity when the Green Party was uh, excluded from the debate. We asked, I had actually Jack Layton on my one of my early radio shows, and we put him on the spot. And we asked him, will you stand for democracy in the Green Party and insist that they be at the debate? Oh, well, we're talking to our people, and we're not going to be, so we'll make a call close to the 11, blah, blah, blah. He bullshitted us. 
Meanwhile, he had already decided that, no, he wasn't going to stand for democracy and make sure that the Greens were invited to the debate. And it was a win-win for him. He could have stood as a Democratic leader and virtue signaled from the opportunity that this provided him. He didn't. And here's the the win-win for for Jack Layton and the NDP back then is the networks were never going to let the Green Party on anyway. So he could have he could have lobbied for them knowing that nothing would ever change and they missed the opportunity. I think the PPC is going to be in that opportunity this time around. The PPC is not going to get invited to the debate. The NDP under Jagmeet Singh, if they were smart, would already know this is coming, already have stuff designed for it, and already come out and say, you know what? I'm not a fan of Max Bernier's party or his policies, but he should be here to debate the issues because it's democratic. They'll miss the mark on that. But the PPC also should be ready. And if the PPC can can seize this real estate, which is electoral reform, which I know Max is not even interested in talking about, for valid reasons, he's an experienced politician. It's like he, it's his party. But this real estate's wide open. Nobody's put a bid on this thing, and all you got to do is put a sign on it, and it's yours, and you'll own it, and. You can use it to put the other parties on the on the spot. The NDP is certainly in favor of, I think, almost positively, it's in their platform, proportional representation. They might differ on what I think is the best system. I think I probably lean towards STV, the single transferable vote, instead of MMP, which is a mixed member proportional. But they both have advantages. I just like STV. So you'll get the NDP on board. But do you think if you're Max Bernier in a debate, you can get the 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 the, the progressives, conservatives, they used to be, the new conservative party of Canada to admit their frustration over losing the popular vote or sorry, winning the popular vote and having more votes than Justin Trudeau and having half the seats and no power? <laughs> I think it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to distinguish yourself from the rest of the candidates on the stage, whether you're a federal leader or a local candidate. We may have a very volatile electorate this time around, and you should expect that if you don't capitalize on these type of opportunities, you may miss creating a wave for your party, the PPC. I get... I get the argument. On my show, I think Max said, we're only going to concentrate on issues where we don't need a constitutional amendment. I get it. That's a valid, valid position. But who stands to benefit the most from having a proportional representation electoral system in place the next time around? The Greens and the PPC, especially those ones. And with proportional representation or PR, your voter turnout is higher by almost 10%. (laughs) You know what else is higher by almost 10%? Women elected. Under the PR systems all around the world, when you average them all out and you compare them, 
Yeah. Government policies are always closer to the view of the median voter when it's a coalition. And you get more coalitions under PR. The citizens are more satisfied with the performances of their country's democratic institutions even when the party they voted for was not in power under PR. That's a fact. And yes, you get a small increase in the number of parties in Parliament because, well, I don't know what the... There's got to be a threshold, probably 2%. If you don't make 2% of the vote, you don't get seats. And then everything goes proportional from there. And you have to share power and build coalition. And when you have to build coalitions, your policy is more robust because to get the the opposition on board, you have to give them something to get their votes. So you get fairer legislation. You don't get things like the GST shoved down your throat or free trade under a majority government. Oh, you don't want... Actually, we did have a vote on free trade, didn't we? I just think by virtue of it was timed with an election. Scores are also higher on measures of political participation and civil liberties under proportional representation. The United States and Canada, the only two countries in the world, democratic, well, if you can call them, what do we call it? What are we, a constitutional republic? Not a true democracy? But for argument's sake, We're the last two democracies to not change our system from this first-past-the-post, or they use an electoral college in the States, but first-past-the-post, which is designed for two parties. And very simply, if you have two parties, the winning party has to have a majority. If you have three parties, then you only need 33.3% of the vote plus one vote to win if everything broke down equal, which I know know, doesn't happen very often. But then if you split it four or five times now with the Greens and now the PPC, Justin Trudeau could be elected with 35% of the popular vote. That means seven, 65% of the vote of the electorate that voted would vote against Justin Trudeau and they would have no representation. The graphic you're looking at here is fairvote.ca. They've been talking about proportional representation for a long time. It's also in our show. It's also in the show description. My tongue ain't working so good. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Trudeau is going to get punished. The polls might be high now, but 33 days from now, I think there's going to be a lot of angry, resentful liberals. I think the electric is going to, the the elect the electorate's going to be electric. I think this is a very volatile electorate, and you should expect surprises, like a purple wave going across the country and electing 10 or 15 candidates. Like, maybe not this time. Maybe the next time around. But you you never know. It could happen. 
The PPC does have an election under their belt already. They didn't run a full slate, but they're going to run a very close, something very close to a full slate this time around. And you never know. Guess who the, the only leader with momentum right now is, yes, Max Bernier. The conservatives got nothing. Trudeau's got nothing. The NDP flat as a pancake. The block, who cares? The Greens aren't even a story. Max Bernie has been busting his ass for months. He's ready. And he's got momentum. And he's got a couple great issues on his side. One, no vaccine mandates. No vaccine. No vaccine passports. Free speech. It's going to be a good time. Going to be an interesting, interesting election. But here you have an issue that people should care about. Political parties should care about. Candidates actually should care about enough to make it one of theirs. And because if you're a PPC member, listen, just because it's not in the official platform, as long as it jives with your four founding principles for the party, I think you're good to roll on it. What are they going to do? Oh, no, don't talk about electoral reform. You can't have a take on that. They're letting you choose on whether you're pro-life or pro-choice. Right? They're not telling their candidates what to say on that. Own it. Put an offering on that lot and put your sign up. So, in 2011, under Mouclair, the NDP won 59 seats in Quebec. That is not happening this time around. (laughs) Jugmeet Singh is no Jack Layton. He's no Tom Mouclair for even that that comparison. And they've been going down. They made official opposition with 59 seats in the block is going to kick their ass this time. (laughs) And I don't know, Max might even make... An impact there. Maybe he gets a couple in Quebec. You never know. He's got Viva Frey in Montreal, I think, running. So expect results to fall under Jagmeet Singh because, well, Quebec is one of the least, um, how do you say this, tolerant? They're the least tolerant province in the country. <laughs> like, I mean, the French are as racist as it gets in Canada, which you not say. Come on, man. They have laws in their country that outlaws English signs. Like, well, fuck. Don't even get don't even talk to me about the tolerance of their <laughs> their population. They're not voting for Jagmeet Singh. Jugmeet or Jagmeet. Either way. The J Meat. They're not voting for J Meat. So, I'm calling the PPC as the surprise X factor. I don't know how impactful they're going to be, but the block is going to be locked up in Quebec. 
The cons, they own Alberta and Saskatchewan. I, I don't see much change in there, but the PPC could have something there. The Liberals are going to take punishment, but they'll probably still take Ontario, but how strongly? And the NDP always does well out west, and the Greens maybe elect someone. Maybe the Greens get booed at this time. Every election, there's an important wedge issue that no one gives attention to. You can control the message and the in, and the issues that are important to Canadians. See, as Canadians, unless we're like political science majors, we don't understand electoral reform. But if you tell someone, listen, it was designed for two parties, and with two parties, somebody's got to make more than 50%, but if there's three, you only need 33%. You can see how the threshold is reduced to get somebody with an elected majority government with a minority of support. It's not right that, you know, the conservatives last time had more votes, and they had zero power. Not only that, they couldn't even they couldn't even force the government to do anything they wanted because the government's using a lefty to get it all done. The idea that the PPC is going to split the vote is such an old, tired, false, and corrupted argument. You need to just dust that. The old line parties have long used that as an excuse to get you not to vote or to get your vote for them. Vote with your heart, with hope, not fear. Voting strategically is a loser. And this idea that you're voting for the lesser of two evils, it's still evil. It's depressing. It makes you feel like dog shit when you leave there. Okay, so here's the deal. Party A stands to win your riding. Party C is who you like, but party B has the best chance to beat A. So you vote for party B, even though you don't like party B. You like party C, you vote for B because you want them to beat A. That will make you feel like dog shit when you leave the booth. I've never done it. I've declined my ballot before I strategically vote. I will not do it. I'm voting for who I think I support the most I'm voting for policies and parties you don't even need to be hot on your local candidate especially if you're a PPC supporter your candidate's probably a first timer probably doesn't speak well probably doesn't know all the issues probably is going to read their speeches you're voting for the party you're voting for Max Bernier you're voting for the ideas that he's inspired for the people that have decided to run for him, don't look locally. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah, local personality matters, but I'm voting for head office policies. I'm voting for Max the man. I don't care who the local guy is. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me that they're not a seasoned, corrupt politician already. In fact, it's refreshing. Your vote is intended to push the country in a specific direction, a positive direction, one that you support, not to keep a party out. So don't do it. 
If everyone voted for their second choice, we'd end up with a government that we all don't want. Like, stupid. And don't forget that your vote also helps to financially support your party. Now, they changed the Democratic per vote subsidy, I'm pretty sure, in 2015. It used to be like a buck seventy-five a vote. Like, it was worth it. You would get a subsidy. Everyone that voted for you, when it came around to funding the parties, that's how they did it. I'm pretty sure Harper took that out. But you still need to break a subsidy. I think there's 2 and 10% you got to break. 10% you get a certain amount back. And then it lets you also making a donation, whether it be goods and services or monetarily, it increases the amount that you're able to spend on your campaign, and that's how they decide how much money you get back is based on how much you spend as a party. So that's kind of shit, but you got to play the system. You got to know how it works, and you got to play within the rules. If you want to help out, either with a financial donation or if you have a talent, maybe you build websites, maybe you're a musician, you want to play the election night party, maybe you, um, I don't know, have an accounting background, you can donate your services by submitting an invoice, a generic invoice with your name and an amount of the service that you're providing, it's got to be market rate or it can't be anything that, you know, you can't pump your rates up. It's got to be something, you know, in line with what's normal. I had a day where I, you know, one day I cut $25,000 in uh, goods and services uh, <laughs> contributions to, to my campaign. 25000 if let's see here your maximum donation let's say you're doing a website and it's worth five grand the maximum you can donate is 1650 bucks but you can do that twice so you can do it for the campaign you can do it for the local eda and you actually can do it for the party as well but we haven't figured out if we're going to be able to funnel money back from the party yet so if we just go on two that's you know 3500 bucks worth of invoicing and product that you can donate if you're willing to do the work as a donation. You submit those invoices as a donation. The party gives you a political donation receipt for that donation, whether it's playing at a fundraiser or maybe you donate the food for a fundraiser maybe you rent the space for a fundraiser maybe you got some empty office space maybe you know you can donate that office space as a political donation to a campaign and get money back here's the best part you get a building that's sitting empty you say you guys can have that for 3500 bucks for the month i'll make I'll make you two invoices, one for the EDA, one for the campaign, and basically you get $1,600 back on your taxes, just shy of 800 bucks each. The $1,650 goods and services donation that you're donating, the non-monetary donation, is receipable, and when you file it with your taxes, you get $778.50 back. 
just like you had a given cash, you can't give cash, but it, just like you had a written a check to the campaign, it's treated exactly the same. You can donate your services. Get your head out of your ass. 1993 was a long time ago, man. That was my first election. Uh, I'm not going to say I miss it, but I'm still engaged. And I hope that this, uh, I hope that somebody listening today learned something about maybe the policies that aren't getting talked about. The Green Party will talk proportional representation. So the NDP. But there's going to be other opportunities like Max getting excluded from the debate that you can already prepare for. And if you jumped on electoral reform like a bad mofo, you'd own it and nobody else would. I got some links in the show description below on stuff that I pulled up. What was I pull? What did I pull up? Oh, I pulled up this paper. It's not that great. I had some other links. I must have closed them. Oh, the Wikipedia link. They give the history of the... Uh, yeah, I don't have that right in front of me. But it is in the show description. Kind of interesting to see <laughs> the history. Okay, so, yeah. The block takes Quebec. Let's see, are you getting turned on here? Where the hell is that coming from? Siri from across the room. I got too many devices listening to me. Uh, what party are you repping? Yeah, office space. You know somebody with a small campaign office space that's vacant and immediately available? I might have somebody for you for very short term. Two months, tops. Maybe 45 days. All right, well, that's it. Okay, I don't think I got anything else. The links are in the show description below. It is 9.03. Oh, that's perfect. Right on time for my date. Uh, how about a little want some? I can't not play want some for you now because I said, how about some want some? I actually should have some better stuff. It's not better, but this is one of my favorites. Matt McPherson, I do have an eight-hour... If you're watching on TrueTube, on the TrueTube channel on YouTube, I have an eight-hour um, audio, I don't know, it's Jim Fannin show clips and and shows in the background, and eight hours of Matt McPherson, this is Want Some, I am out.
night now!